<laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm Father Peter Muzzet. I'm Scott Powell. The podcast in question is the lanky. The word on the hill with the lanky guys. This is the question of the podcast. Well, you just said the podcast. Yeah. Is the question? The one in question. The one in question. Yep. Not the question of the podcast. That's a different matter. Uh, the podcast in question that you're listening to today is the lanky guys with the word on the hill. That's not accurate. What, what is the question of the podcast, though? This is a deep, like, teleological, esoteric question for us. That I've never yeah. considered until you said it, and now it's going to bother me. The question of the there. podcast is, is okay. there a uniting feature that is presented through the readings no. of the words no. of Sunday? No. No, I, I think you're incorrect. Son of what? a gun. What is the uniting feature that threads throughout? Whatever, well, that, whatever you that, said. That's our question. Well, you said, is there one? Well, it's not the question because the assumed answer is yes, there is. What is it that presumes the, the, the proof, the truth, the the <laughs> the proof, the truth, the sleuth that we're trying to figure? I can't, I can't, I can't rap on on command. I was doing it up in your kitchen. I, I was, can't, uh, I can't freestyle. Yeah, man. Well, anyway, um, so th that's kind of the, that got weird. Yeah, that was like, but real. This is good. This is like kind of a sh the weirdest introduction I think we've ever had to this podcast. I think it just about is. Well, well, today night, is the everybody. Fourth Sunday of Easter, oh, just... the Saint Pancreas Day. <laughs> for all of those who need a uh, assistance to um, uh, process their sugar. Yes, that's what the pancreas does. Is that what the pancreas does? Yeah, that's why we got weird pancreas. I'm sorry. What? Huh? What did you just say? Pancreai. That's our, is that our pancreas in plural? Yeah. And do we have pancreai? No, we have one pancreas. How many pancreas do we? Well, you. This is this is a weird podcast sing, today, man. Singular pancreas. Can we explain we why have? it's such a weird podcast, real quick? Yes. Um, Graduation is gra today. Yeah. So today they uh, the day leaving. The word on the hill is that our student population, who we backloriaized mm, last night. Last night we had a. Really, it was actually a really powerful experience to watch 40 of our kind of really involved students kind of be honored and sent back out into the world. Yeah. It was really, it was really cool. It and was beautiful. We, and we and had you a, got a cake shoved in your face. Cake shoved in no party like a cake shoving, cake shoving party because cake shoving party just don't stop. Yeah. I have always wanted <clears throat> to have a piece of cake have you never, thrown into my face. Never? You never have? Nope. Wow. It was right. actually really special. It was special. We have a video of it. Maybe yeah. we'll put it on the website. Yeah, it, it was a little shocking at first because they were like, hey, Father, would you be. would you sit down and we're going to honor you? And I was like, awesome. And they were like, we got you a very special piece of cake. And then they just threw it in my face. They smashed it in your face, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. smashing Throwing it, it would have been really something else. Uh, throwing is a whole nother experience. Smashing is better. Yeah, smashing is better. Um, so our first reading today- But we're all a little loopy because it's been a lot. It's been a big week. Yeah, and we had a big, we had a, we had a big, big building blessing. It was really cool. And mm -hmm. so like- we're just, it, it, it was just like all at once, all of the above. It was so cool. Yeah. But you are, I, you are not getting our leftovers. We are fully on board. <laughs> that is not what we are lies, implying. Lies. <laughs> no, we are full. Uh, Scott is full. I am entirely depleted. Is it really pronounced pancreas? No, it's pancreas. It's P-A-N-C-R-A-S. Which honestly doesn't sound any better. Pancreas. Pancreas. Saint Saint Pancras, pray, pray for us. us. All right, first reading, Acts 13, 14, 43, 52. Uh, our responsorial psalm is Psalm 100, verses 1 through 2, 3, and 5. And the response itself is coming from 3C. 
are reading after the psalm known as commonly understood to be the second reading. Yes, it is commonly known as that. Is Revelation 7 through 9, 14b to 17. You're trying to do old man, old-timey radio voice. I said old man radio voice. <laughs> old-timey radio I'm trying voice. to do old man radio voice. I think I figured out where my old-timey radio voice comes from. Tell me up. I think it was from... Homestar Runner. Homestar. We watched that a Homestar Runner. That might be my Runner reference point. About air fluff, puffy. Oh gosh. It was amazing. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. Like, I felt like I was, like, transported to an earlier life 20 years ago, literally. Yeah. It was nice. I can't believe that was 20 years ago, man. Was it really? Is that true? Yeah. Ooh, um, this might be the shortest gospel reading of the year. I think so, too. Jesus wept. That's not what it... <laughs> no, no, Father Peter. <laughs> that that is the shortest Bible verse oh, right? gosh. in the Bible. This is, uh, however, John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Um, three wee little verses. Which 1014 is the Alleluia response, which is about as good as the um, as the, the reading. I mean, like, as far as... Like, as like, long, you mean. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like it's added... Like, like, we've been having just, like, these lengthy Gospels, and they're like, okay, let's give them a break. We'll give the people a break. Yeah, that's nice of the church. Break me off a piece of that, John Gospel. Um, hey, I think I have a shout out. Okay, talk to me. Here we go. Um, Neil, my brother, Musset. Neil, my brother, Neil, Musset, my brother, Musset. <laughs> uh sends out a shout out to Nathan Kane. Ooh, isn't wasn't he in uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Steve Martin? Nathan Kane? That's Robert Kane. No, nope. Kane. And Abel. And Abel. Who is it? We'll think about that. It's going to bother me. Um, it's not Nathan but, Payne. But my brother is very funny because he says he listens to the podcast religiously. Your brother does? No, Nathan Kane does. Oh, okay. I just think that that's a really funny way to say. Because it's a religious podcast. Because it's a religious podcast. Yeah. So listen. So actually, I think that we all have a chance. Michael Kane. Michael Kane. <laughs> Got it. We're good. We're good. So Nathan Kane. Nathan Kane. Shout out to good you. Good to see I you. Think good I to think, hear from you. I think we actually might have said his name more than we ever say any other shout out name. Here's to you, Michael Kane. Nathan Kane. Nathan Kane. May you eat raising canes fried is chicken. Is that a thing? Yeah, I guess it's a Nebraska thing. They've got a sauce that everybody <laughs> likes. Well, if they got a sauce, then. There might be a raising canes up in uh, the Fort Collins area. Well, on that note, um, uh, Acts. Acts. This Act. is okay. This is the. Um, it's not quite the beginning. It's right in the middle of Paul's first missionary journey. Remember, he had sort of three rounds of missionary journeys. Hey, I want to look up online to see if anybody has actually like just done all of the missions of of Paul. Just like just did it. Just like hey, let's walk around. Let's do it like original organic style with their feet. They need a boat and a boat. He, he boats. Oh yeah, and then they they would have to jump off the boat and get shipwrecked. I don't. Did um, they? Could they wreck their own ship? Yes. Okay. That's, you have to pay extra for that on the, <laughs> on the, on the tour. Um, that got weird. <laughs> uh, man, you really you you were excellent at making me lose my train of thought, D- dude. I'm really in general. S- I'm no, it's sorry. a gift. Don't be sorry. I'm sorry. It's our, it's our shtick. It is. A, it is it's our shtick. shtick. But okay. So so it's so it's the first. Oh, Paul's oh, oh, what I was missionary gonna, journey. Yeah, I was I was just gonna note about the missionary journeys. Okay. This is a textual feature in the Acts of the Apostles okay. that I find fascinating. Ooh. So I, I'm sure we've talked about it. So the very beginning of Acts of the Apostles, yeah. Jesus gives essentially the, the timeline or the table of contents for the book. And it, he tells the apostles how the mission of the church is going to go out to the world. Yeah. And essentially what it is is these kind of three. I always think of it as like if you throw a rock into a pond and you see the ripples coming outward, right? You know what I'm yes. talking about? 
And it's these three kind of concurrent uh, uh, ripples. So he says, you're first going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. So it's going to start in the sort of epicenter, right? They're going to witness to Jesus in Jerusalem to the people to whom Jesus came, the people of the covenant. It'll go out to there from to Judea, then to Samaria, and then out to the ends of the earth. And you're going outward, right? We were just talking about this on the podcast when they were this in... This podcast? Sa- yeah. The Saint Paul's, Paul's Word on the Hill? Yeah, yeah. St. Paul's Gate... Yeah. And then they were bringing, and then they went out to the ro- highways and byways, and then out to the countryside. They were actually, you're actually having this mirrored in these really interesting ways in the healings that are actually taking place. That's interesting, in- because I didn't, I don't remember that whatsoever. <laughs> but it's interesting, because what I was going to say is Paul's three missionary journeys, they mimic it in a certain way, because they then, as he, t- so he takes over the third part of that. So... Paul, uh, I'm sorry, Peter and some of the apostles, they're doing the witnessing in Jerusalem and then in Judea and slowly out to Samaria. And then Paul sort of takes the baton and leads the charge to the ends of the earth, the third part of Jesus' mission. But in the third part of the mission, there are now three more layers of these concurrent missionary journeys that each extend further outward. So Paul sort of has his own ripple effect. Does that make sense? As he goes on these missions. Right. Which is, which is kind of cool. He's sort of mimicking. But with three, what three, you said, three. it actually adds... Another dimension to how that's happening. It's yeah. kind of cool. Well, what it what it says to me is that there's a pattern. It does say that. And whenever I see a pattern, you know what I get excited about? T-shirt making, bunting, <laughs> bunting, <laughs> cloud cloud making. <laughs> no, no the, way. there's so many options. The, that we Ham to, radio. Now that we get to live that Podcast. pattern out oh, in, yes. our, in our own lives, and that we actually can pay attention. As soon as you we see a make pattern, a bunting about that. Let's bunt it. <laughs> Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bunt on this question for now, though. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, All right, so here we are in Cyprus. No, we're not in Cyprus. We're in Pisidia. Um, the, he, we're all over the place. Um, Paul and Barnabas. Perga. Yeah, so at the beginning the beginning of chapter 13, where this, I, I just wanted to put it in context. So we start at the beginning of chapter 13. They're in Cyprus. Um, he's Paul and Barnabas. They, they were, when they were in Cyprus, they, were, they went a little insane in the membrane, though. Cyprus Hill. They were, well, only when they were on the hill. Insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. Uh, okay, so they 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 now. Yeah, sorry, I'm catching myself up in the text. This is <laughs> as a disclaimer. This is a confusing part of the text because they're kind of always in motion, and there's a lot of. I mean, again, um, I pity the poor person who has to do the who has to lecture the first reading because there's a lot of hard to pronounce names of cities. City up. Um, yeah, there's, and, and it's one thing that's really confusing is Paul's sort of home base for his missionary journeys and really where that ripple of the Gospels goes out from is a place called Syrian Antioch, which is sort of the, the armpit of the Mediterranean. Not not in the, the mean sense, but like literally. If you look not at the in what's happening in this room right no, now? No, no. But if you look at it, it's like literally where the Mediterranean kind of curves down toward the Holy Land from, you know, what would be present day Turkey or Asia Minor. That's where sort of his home base is. He's in Antioch of Syria. And then he goes to another Antioch, not to be confused with Syrian Antioch, in Pisidia, which is up probably in Galatia. So this is the, the reason I point that out is not just to show how geographically astute I am, but this is probably um, <laughs> where the churches. These are the churches that he establishes that he later writes to in Galatians, because this is in the region of Galatia, right? So just to I think put that's it in a context, very pretty girl's name, Galatia. Yeah, it's better than Dorcas. <laughs> okay, a, so there's so a yeah, Dorcas. In I know we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. Well, Remember how that? can you not? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so they, they show up. So Paul and Barnabas they continued on from Perga. They reached Antioch and Pisidia. So they're kind of in the middle of Asia Minor. They're in they're in Turkey. It's a pretty rural region. 
Um, there's not many huge cities here, but it's it's an important province. To this day. To this day, yeah, it's true. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and they took their seats. This points to one of Paul's missionary strategies, which is, which is I think, important for us as Catholics who are trying to evangelize. Because what Paul does, whenever Paul goes to a new place or goes to a city and tries to share the gospel, his first stop is always the synagogue. He first always finds whatever Jewish population exists in that place and starts there by spreading the gospel. Because it matters to Paul that he speaks to his own people first. It matters to Paul. He knows that it matters to God that God became incarnate among a particular group of people in a particular place in a particular time because it was to the Israelites that he revealed the covenants. It's to the Israelites that the Messiah is born. And so it's the job of Israel to then go out to the ends of the earth. So it's important that Paul starts in the synagogues, which I think just on a on a sort of evangelical not not evangelicals, but but in the purposes of evangelizing. As Catholics, it's important that we evangelize Catholics first. Not exclusively. And Paul is quick to, you know, when he's rejected, he's like, all right, well, I'll talk to these guys then. But there's something about, it, it, imagine if we were to sort of re this is what the new evangelization that John Paul II championed was all about. If we could take all of these millions of, there's a billion of us, Catholics, who have been baptized, many of us confirmed, who have no idea what that means, no idea what we've actually entered into, and actually tell them and remind them of who they are and their identity in Christ, if we just started with the Catholics, can you imagine how the world would actually change overnight? Yes. And then we'd be so much more effective at going out to the ends of the earth because the family of God would be one voice and one witness. Right. It's an effective way to do it. So it matters. So I think it's something we can learn from Paul because he always starts with his own family in a certain sense, right? I'm going to go to the synagogue first. That's that's actually kind of what we're doing in this podcast. No, it, it absolutely is. That's why it kind of, yeah. We, we actually get to go to the ends of the earth. We I was do. actually just talking to somebody and a uh, shout out to our listeners in China. China. I mean, we get, we, you're like, China. China. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's it's this wild thing to where, like, this is a great tool for those of you who listen to actually help other people who are trying to go to mass. And like, what, what I really believe about the, the encounter and the entrance into the word yeah. is that if we actually enter into the word and mass, our ability to receive the Eucharist is just increased. And thus, our ability to go out to everyone else. Ite misayest. Yes, exactly right. Right. So it's it's directly feeding that. Dude, well, one of our the, one of our students, Max Beekler, he uh, put on his uh, mortarboard ite misayest. Did and he I, really? And I was like, his he has a mortarboard of it. Uh huh. <laughs> was he on his unicycle, <laughs> juggling flaming torches? I mean, he could be. He could. He does that. Stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. do it in one of those graduation gowns because those things would go up those fast. Are, those are lit. Um. No, but, yeah. but but I Sorry. just but but it's go be sent. It's this, yes. it's a sense that like at the end of mass, what happens is that, is that it's it, we have in the mass the pattern of the whole Christian life. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's it's a purification. It's it's an acknowledgement of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A purification from sin, glorifying Him in His life, mm. understanding what He's done. Mm. So it's purification, mm. illumination, mm. and unity. Mm. And then we are sent out in the midst of that right. unity in in the thing. And so so like this is actually like the, the pattern that we're actually seeing that's that Paul is doing, which is working to different degrees. <laughs> Yes. Or not working to different degrees. Well, welcome to your Catholic parish life. And that's why this is so, I think, I think it's applicable. 
And I don't want to. I don't. You don't want to take the application too far. I want to let the text speak on its own terms. But you know what I mean. You do. I to, don't. Well, I, want, no, I want it to say what I want it to say. But what happens in the story is fascinating. That was so, a, that so was he, a joke, by the way. No, it was funny. Okay. <laughs> okay. Keep going. So, okay. So Paul and Barnabas they show up, and it, it, I think it's funny. It says, "Oh no, it skips it in this." Skip. It totally skips it in in the reading. It actually points out that John took off, or was that earlier on? Anyway, it points I did out, not read the intervening um, verses. It points out that John um, John left inexplicably. He was with them. Oh, it's in verse thirty. It's in the verse right before it. So Paul and Barnabas they came to to, to Pisidian Antioch, and John took off inexplicably. It doesn't explain why. But remember, later on, about a chapter and a half later, John having left is this huge fight between Paul and Barnabas, and they kind of go head to head, and they have to separate and leave each other, and it's. It's actually really beautiful later on, just that shows that, you know, you can actually be people of goodwill trying to evangelize and not be able to work together. And that can actually be okay. But that's a different. But this is a weird, there's this weird statement that John's just like, I'm out. I'm not not going with you guys anymore, (laughs) which I don't know. Maybe they were, I don't know. I just, I always jump to conclusions. Anyway, none of that is about. Natural and supernatural. They they are combined. And sometimes you're just like, hey, I can't do this because the Lord has actually put that into your life so that he can, he can break you off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. (laughs) That's profound. So anyway, okay. So they go, they're in the synagogue. Um, It's as many Jews and worshipers who were converts to Judaism. They were, they were there too, which it, it, it shows you. This is important that certainly in the biblical times, there were a lot. Judaism was, it, it appears, that Judaism was much more into proselytizing in a certain sense than modern Judaism, which just, and I don't mean that as a slam or any, anything negative, it's just a sort of a sociological reality. Um, you hear about a lot of Jewish converts in biblical times. There's a whole lot of people that kind of have come to Judaism. Hmm. And I, I wonder if that makes it. Um, the more receptive to the gospel. I'm not. I'm not sure, but it points out that there's a whole bunch of converts to Judaism and ethnic Jews that are there too. They followed Paul and Barnabas, who spoke to them. Um, so they're in the synagogue. They take their seats, and on the Sabbath, um, they were asked because, that, as was traditionally done, the guest would be asked to stand up and read something from the scriptures and then homilize it, sort of, so to speak, right? So they recognize Paul. Maybe they have heard of Paul. Maybe they, I mean, Paul's a big deal. Remember, he was a huge, very important teacher. They laid the cloaks at his feet. Absolutely. So maybe they're like, oh my gosh, Paul, this is Saul from Jerusalem. Like, do you want, will you share a word? I mean, you know, if, if, um, Father Mike Schmidt. Father Mike Schmidt just happened to show up at Mass. You know, I'd be like, be like, hey, do you want to preach today? Yeah. Absolutely. It's that kind of thing. I, I don't know for sure. Maybe they don't know who he is, but yeah. they invite him to preach. Nathan Goebel. Yeah, totally. You know, maybe not Goebel. M- Michael Lovell. I'm, I'm just kidding. John Eppel. I was, Mike yeah. Rapp. <laughs> I'm just, just naming. All, I'm just na- naming all the Catholic studies. I was thinking like no Bishop guys. Baron or something. Like think of Dude. somebody who's like a huge. Well, not that those guys aren't, but you know what I mean. Dude, Baron Paul was shows well up, known. Right. If, if if his claims about himself are to be believed, you know, right. it's like Baron shows up and he's like, "Oh my gosh, maybe you should preach today." Kind of a thing. Hey, Bishop Baron, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you want to be on the podcast with us? We would love that. We'll fly out to you. We'll wait for you to answer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, we'll see you next week. Yep, okay. okay. Um, so yeah, he asked, he's asked to speak, and so he recounts all of salvation history. And he does it for, in a very Jewish way. He goes through the covenants, talks about the patriarchs, he talks about the exodus, like this is what happened, this was how Jesus fulfilled all of it. And basically, if you read, this is what's intervening. It skips his homily. But if you read the way he actually tells the homily, he goes through all of the expectations and then essentially says, look, Jesus has fulfilled every one of your hopes and your dreams and your expectations. He is the answer to all of it. 
And it's, it's a brilliant, moving sermon that he gives. And everyone flips out. They're like, this is awesome. This is amazing. And then we jump to where it kind of concludes. And it says next, on the following Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered. They all come. And note that it's not just Jews anymore. Almost the whole city gathered. I'm presuming, I don't know exactly, I'm presuming there's not a huge Jewish population up in Asia Minor. I know there is a Jewish population. There are synagogues. But, you know, they're probably a minority. And so the next week, whether you're a Jew or not, you heard about this guy's preaching and this message that he was spreading in the whole town. I mean, imagine, I don't know, imagine Father Bishop Barron comes to St. Tom's and he gives this great homily. And the next week, all of Boulder shows up at Mass. Yeah. Like, we want more. We want to hear. We heard about whatever is going on here. So they all come mm. and then they hear the word of the Lord. But then it says the Jews. And again, this is not anti-Semitic. There's the particular group of leadership that is a little ticked off about what's going on here. Because as human beings, we tend to have this insider-outsider attitude. No, and- I mean, th- this is the thing is that like even, even when I had like Father John Nepal as a parochial vicar here, no. dude, he was a phenomenal preacher. Yeah. And this thing is I like preaching. And actually, I have some gifts around it. Absolutely. Even... At the fact that he was a phenomenal preacher, the preacher, there was a, something inside of me that, like, I had to struggle with it, man. I had to yeah, struggle through the fact that we're like, human beings, right? And so, like, so I see this, and you go, like, I'm backseat preaching at you every mass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry, that's hilarious. I am a backseat preacher, though. That's I can come that. be a deacon. I always know what you're going to say. You want to be a deacon? I don't think that's the reason to be a deacon. <laughs> if God calls me to be a deacon, I'd be happy to, but I don't yeah. feel like that's pure intent in my heart. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just just because I could do it better than these guys. I could do it better than Father Peter. Therefore, God has called me. Anyway, <laughs> that's another conversation. Yeah, that's another conversation. But but that's all <laughs> but that to vibe. say. Yeah, totally. Like here's somebody who is actually profoundly compelling, yeah. and the heart of jealousy is comes in so easily. Absolutely. And right. so here's this guy, and they've been. I'm sure that they're they've been trying to like win people over, and then all of a sudden this guy preaches once, and everybody shows up. You're just right. like. Ah, oh, I mean, but I've been working forever to do this. And then it spirals into this anger, not just toward Paul, but toward the people that are coming. Right. And they're like, who, are you, who do you think you are? Like, you're coming now? Like, oh. I mean, again, you, you put it into context. Like, totally. All the frats and sororities on the hill start to come to mass. You're like, oh, I know what you, you know, you guys are a bunch of drunken frat. You know, I, we spin out of control because you, we're like, you what, don't what, belong here. It, it's like this. It's it's like, ooh, you just want the sugar of this. You don't, you, you don't, you haven't paid your dues, man. You haven't paid your dues. You're not one of us. Right, right. And, and you yeah. think that you could just get to hear the fancy preacher man yeah but that's what's happening and that's right. what gets stirred in their hearts and so to the degree that paul and barnabas leave and it says they shake the dust off of the city and protest against them but yet we also know he writes back because there's a church that starts there at some point in time and there's a community that is built up for this you also have an animosity that he kind of leaves them with but it's it's a fascinating insight into yeah, I, into so many things. So many things were sort of stirred church, in me as I was church reading Church dynamics. This. I mean, this is just, yeah. these church dynamics exist to this day, man. Absolutely, which is why it's so beautiful to read something like this and to be like, oh, this has always been the problem. Which there's something comforting in that, right? Man, it's yeah. the same old stuff. If we were just reading, we were just reading in in the mass yesterday about um, Stephen, St. Stephen. Yeah, right, just, right, right. He stirred everybody up and then he got and killed. And then Paul killed him. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, talk about what goes around comes around. 
Yeah, and and, and I and and like the persecution just broke out, you know, mm-hmm. and like and and yep, exactly. I, I don't know. Yeah, so we keep going. So yeah, and, but but what's interesting now is that the Gentiles start coming in. Yes, exactly. And right. and and they're like loving what Paul's saying because they're like, wow. man, we've been hungry for this. We need this, and we didn't even know we were hungry for it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. We you, didn't. We don't know this story because Paul's sermon the previous Sabbath was about how all of the Jewish expectations were fulfilled. And that message was such that it actually resonated to the people who had no idea they should be expecting anything. But because we're human beings, there is a recognition that we are actually made for more than this, right? Mm. Which is, that's what's stirred. And it's it's just funny that you don't know. The other thing it shows me is that, you know, a lot of us are very rightly concerned with evangelizing the world and how do we do that and how do we make the message, you know, accessible and and attractive to people and how do we how do we do these things and make evangelization exciting? Paul goes and he simply preaches the gospel of the fulfillment of Judaism. Right. He does his job. He's simply faithful to what he knows. He's teaching the Old Testament, which is his gig. But him simply being faith, he doesn't try to spin it for the Gentiles. He doesn't try, you know, to make it more appealing or more attractive for this audience. I mean, he is all things tall people, and that's right. important to him. But here he's just doing his job. He's being a good rabbi, and he's faithful to the scriptures. And that's enough because they don't need to be spun. We don't need to spin things. We need to let the scriptures and the gospel and the word of God speak in its own terms. And the world will, right here, recognize, oh, we didn't even know we needed this, but we do. Yeah, and 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 also to note the in the uh, the power of women in the midst of this. The, yeah, the women of prominence were incited, who were yes. worshippers, and they and there was a stirred up a persecution. Well, the leadership Paul. in the synagogue incites them. Right. They make. They go, Can you believe this guy? And then the, and there and then there's a whole network of going like, oh yeah, hold on. This All the big work. donor families come around. That's what I mean. That's what it is. They're mm. like, we're going to stop giving. We're not going to support the synagogue anymore. Like, like you can imagine. I mean, this this is this is a financial argument. The women of prominence who are worshippers, they you know, and the leading men in the city, these are the financial backers of the synagogue. I mean, make no mistake about what's going on here. I mean, they're using, they're manipulating to try to undercut what Paul's doing, and they're doing it through all the same things that we do nowadays. Right? I mean, it's the same old games. And yet, how and does it yet, finish? The disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit, and that's after. They were expelled and they shook their feet, you know, the dust from their feet and they went on to the next place. They were like, and yet Whoa. they were filled with the Holy Spirit because they're like, yeah, it's working. Yeah. We did, we're we're kind of taking off faithful. the right people. We're being faithful to what God is asking us in the very yeah. best way that we possibly can. And we're, we're, it's not like they're trying to incite riots. No, they're not, not trying to incite this. They're, they're preaching just, the gospel. Yes. With heavy words. Yeah. And so then we respond. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. And that's where, and that's where. I feel like we talk about this a lot, but you can't escape it because this is the gospel. I mean, who are the sheep of his flock? Oh, all those Gentiles who came in and seemed like they didn't belong there. And all of the leadership said, no, you guys don't fit. Mm. They are the sheep of his flock. We are his. I'm from Gentile heritage. So are you. We. I mean, I think we forget those of us in the Western world, in this part of the world, in the church here, how Jewish our church started as. And how remarkable it is that we who were outside have been brought into this. Because for most of the West, the church is a Gentile reality, Mm. right? But we forget the deep family roots and the ethnic ties and the 
the familial nature of the church that, praise be to God, we've been adopted into. Grafted onto. Grafted onto. But we forget that because that's right. not our lived experience, in this part of the world at least, for a lot of us. Right. It's but some... So to say that, though, no, we are his people. We who came from the outside. Right. We were nobody. We who didn't have the covenants. We are his people, the sheep of his flock, and we were supposed to be from the beginning. That's Paul's argument. He goes to Isaiah, and he's like, look, this was always supposed to be the case. We just didn't do our job. And it's time to do our job. It's time to do our job. That's it. Yeah, so, so I like that 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 uh, psalm is is resonant in a particular way. It's not just right. oh everybody loves everybody and we're all nice and God loves us. Sing joy for the Lord to the Lord, all you lands. Right, and then all you serve. Gentile, all you goyim is what yeah. it says. Actually, all of you outsiders come nations. before Him with songs of joy. Like yes. be stoked, which is what they're doing. He made us. We are His people, His flock that He tends. And what the psalm doesn't say but is implied by linking it with the first reading is that when you, all of you lands come to serve the Lord of the gladness and sing joyfully, you might be hated and ridiculed and told that you don't fit or belong. Mm. But guess what? Come anyway and sing joyfully anyway, because that's actually how Paul and Barnabas leave. Come They're filled with joy. As you are. Nice. As you were, as I want you to be. Should that be what we sing in the response world this Sunday? Yeah, let's do Good. Nirvana instead of. <laughs> dude, let's just bring back some old school church right there. You old know what I'm saying? Old school church. Small c. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the. Uh, Lowercase. You know, where you read the giving tree instead of uh, the, uh, the, the readings. I'm happy you chose the giving tree. <laughs> <laughs> we have a second reading uh, from the giving tree. Oh, Lord help well, us. Lord have mercy. He will, hopefully. <laughs> dude. All right. Speaking yeah. of the second reading. Okay. Revelation. <laughs> unless, unless you want to keep going on that. No, I, I, I was actually trying to stop myself from going on. And... I see it in your eyes, though. You're getting excited yeah. about all the ways we can go with this. No, man. I, I just love saying absurd things. I just, like, I just do. I mm. just, like, there's something delightful about totally trying to reconfigure how things are and say them in these weird ways. I'm pretty that... sure the church is against that liturgically. Yeah. <laughs> reconfigure. No, I was sorry. It was funny. It was meant to be funny, but now you're just it, no. It, was, it wasn't funny. I actually, Thanks, re- actually, I didn't understand the joke, and then, and then I felt judged and persecuted. No, it was oh help, help! I'm being oppressed. <laughs> well, sing joyfully because you're still a sheep. I'm a sheep. Sheep, sheep, sheep. All right, sheep revelation. of the flock and the revelation. We good. <laughs> Basically, it's, like, get it out of your it's like, are you done? Get it sucker? out of your system. No, get it. Do it. Okay, yeah, revelation, man. This is the multitude, man. I like the multitude. These it, are all the peeps. Uh, but it's also what again to not to. Sometimes I feel like I'm being too explicit. You know what I mean? Which I'm probably not. I'm just doing what I the mean. I have to I do. have a buzzer if if your language is getting explicit. Oh, I see what you said. But Burr. John the Burr. so I. Jo- <laughs> I ju- <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just Ooh. preventing you from getting explicit, oh. bro. I John had a vision of a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, race, people, and tongue. In a certain sense, John is seeing on a supernatural level what is <laughs> happening in Asia Minor. <laughs> okay, I'll to in Galatia, right? Yeah, with Paul. Which I mean, that's where this the connection here is actually pretty beautiful because we've most of us have heard this before. Like this line, it's pretty well known, you know, sort of vision from John. I saw this great multitude; nobody could count nation, race, and people. Everybody, but, but you put it in a concrete sense. You're like, oh, that's just commentary on the first reading. That's what he's seeing. What? What's, right? Yeah. What's funny though is there's a flip in it. Okay. Because they stand before the Lamb. There's a flip in it. They stand before. Okay, talk to me. We we are the people, the sheep of his flock, and we're standing before a lamb. 
That's uh, very much image confusion. Is it? it <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. What, 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 yeah. I mean, all right. I it actually, about that. It speaks about the incarnation. It's, it's actually like, because we're yes. like, hold on, are we following a man? Hold on. Hold on. Who's this lamb that was standing as though it was slain? And like, whoa. And then Do you know that in Greek it doesn't poems? say standing as though slain? All it says in Greek is standing, standing slain. slain. Right. Which bugs me for some inexplicable reason <laughs> that we weirdly soften it. No, it's a lamb slain. Yeah, standing. That's what we're standing before. Standing. Right, it's very important that John worded it that way. At versus as though he were. Yeah, that's that's like borderline heretical. That's like docetism. He only appeared to have been slain. No, he's a lamb standing slain, right. having been resurrected. And everybody's standing before him, yeah. wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hand. All of uh, all of the sheep, the sheep following the lamb. It's weird. It's, I've never considered how weird it actually yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, but that, that's the thing is that the Lord is telling us that He actually. It actually works because he came down two levels of being. So if God, angels, man, yeah. So it's like him becoming an animal. I mean, it's I, I don't know. I, actually, like it would be. I, well, I, it's I would, like him being. If, if in the analogy, we're sheep, then he becomes like one of us. Yes, thank you. That was I was confused in my speech. It's, it's an ana- it's analogous to the incarnation, I think. No, right. but he also is the Passover lamb. We are only metaphorically sheep. He really is the Passover lamb. Right. But he's not a lamb, so that's metaphorical too. But, but he, yeah. See, this is why John is so confusing. This is why right. Revelation is a confusing book. But I love Ugh. the image of Christ as the lamb. But they're carrying white robes. They're wearing right, right, ro- white, white robes, and they're carrying palm branches, and they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to the Lord. Do you know in what Jewish feast you would carry palm Pentecost. branches? Pentecost. No, it's not Pentecost. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacles. Which, do you remember what Tabernacles celebrates? Uh, desert days. Yeah. I mean, essentially what Tabernacles is remembering, Boo, this is the other name, Sukkot in, in Hebrew. Sukkot. But it recalls the time that we were in exile, that we were wandering, that we were homeless, that we hadn't found our homeland yet. We, we were being released from slavery and we're remembering that, but we want to be brought home. And so what John is seeing is this final vision of... We're celebrating the ultimate fulfilled Feast of Tabernacles, where we recall we used to be homeless and now we've been brought home, which is why in his vision we all have palm branches. I mean, that, that's what people are sort of spontaneously doing when Jesus is going into Jerusalem. There's there's a specific um, prophecy, I think it's in the book of Zechariah, that talks about this eschatological day when we will all go to the future eschatological messianic Mount Zion and have a feast of tabernacles and wave palm branches and shout Hosanna because he had saved us. And then people see Jesus coming into town. They don't even know who it is. And they're like, this is it. This is it, man. We're being led out of the wilderness again. We're going into the promised land. The Egyptians, the Romans have been defeated, all this stuff. And so in John's vision, he's like, yeah, it's over. The battle will end. And again, he's looking forward to this day when we get to say, yeah, we're not going to be want because we are sort of in that weird exodus moment when because of what Jesus did on the cross, the exodus has taken place. We've been freed of our sins. We're not slaves anymore. We're not in debt. We have been set free, but we're not at a final homeland either. We're in the weird in between. We're still dwelling in these earthly like tents, right? We know that God has saved us. We know we're not slaves anymore. He has set us free, but we haven't settled in our final homeland of heaven yet. The new heavens and the new earth right. have not yet come. So we're in a new kind of wandering. It's different. It's not the, the punishment wandering, 
but we're in between. And so this vision of John is saying hmm. there's going to come a time, and it's coming soon, when the wandering is over. You're not dwelling in a tent. You're dwelling in a palace. You're in the new heavenly Jerusalem, and you can put on your white robe, and you can wave your palm branch, and you can say, God, you have brought me home. You're not on house arrest anymore. It's not house... House arrest doesn't feel quite right. Well, this is the thing: is is we're just in route, we're in transit, right? You're into U-Haul, right? Well, I mean, I look at the Exodus, and Mm -hmm. and they they were they had to stay in the desert. And you come to the Promised Land, and you're in there, and there's like a certain radical defense of the Promised Land. Whereas now, all of a sudden, you're set free. No, go travel. Go to the ends of the earth. Go, go out, and and you've been washed clean. You actually get to go. But we're still not fully home yet, right? And so it's more just we're ga- go to the ends of the earth and get everybody. Right. And- my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. You can try. My father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the father's hand. The father and I are one. He- he's this big time father, 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 father. Father, father, father. And my hand. Try to get out of my hand. No. Take it out of my hand. I don't want to go. You try hand. it. I- I'll snatch There's it. There's nothing in your hand. First of all, I mean, the explicitness of the commentary on the first reading that's here, right? My sheep hear my voice. Who are my sheep? Well, it's all those Gentiles in Galatia who heard Paul preaching, but they heard the word of God, which is the voice of God. The sheep heard my voice, and no one will stop them or take them out of my hand. And again, what's the whole narrative of the first reading? Mm. It's that there's all of these, what, false shepherds. I mean, the leadership in the synagogues, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of these groups that Jesus goes into conflict with in the Gospels, they all were the self-proclaimed shepherds of the people. Yeah. They called themselves that. That was the title that they held. Right. Jesus shows up and says, no, I'm the good shepherd. He actually does it in this same chapter of John earlier. Well, and it's when he the, says, I'm the good shepherd. It's the Alleluia verse. I am the it good is. shepherd, says the Lord. I know my sheep and mine know me. But notice what Jesus is doing. If he's saying, I'm the good shepherd, what is the implication? That there's a bad shepherd. There's a bunch of bad shepherds. Yeah. And that's what you're actually seeing in Galatia, in in Pisidian Antioch. Dude, I kind of want to- bad shepherds. I want to write a rock and roll song called, I am the (laughs) bad shepherd. Please don't. I don't feel like that's a good idea. No, I mean, but but just to like draw out the reality of what the good shepherd is. Oh, that's a good idea. So it's, it's about the contrast between the good shepherd and the bad shepherd. Yeah. Okay. No, I like that. It's also um, comes right after. Oh, two things I had in my notes. Oh, it comes. Oh, oh, oh. This I thought was cool. Okay. So again, right before this. So it's the shepherd thing is right before this. The I am the the sheep gate comes right before this. Right. Anybody who doesn't come in through the sheep gate wants to steal and destroy the sheep. Right. That whole thing was in chapter ten of John. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And right before that, in chapter nine, he talked about the blind seeing. Hmm. And I think the spiritual application, people have written you know, long commentaries on this, that Jesus is trying to demonstrate how the disciples and all of us are blind in a lot of ways, and we need healing. And after sort of being told by the Gospel of John that we're all kind of spiritually blind, what we're told here is, actually, that's okay. Because the sheep, they can hear my voice. Even if you can't see me, even if you don't know quite where you're going it feels a little lost, my sheep hear my voice. So if you just read John and realize, man, I'm as blind as the disciples in a lot of ways, that's okay because the good shepherd can be heard mm. even when he's not seen. And I don't know if I'm, Ooh, I'm stretching that too much, but I thought it was kind of beautiful when I sort of saw that. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I was actually just thinking about how um, I think that the white robes that we read about the, the people wearing— yeah. In uh, Revelation, or are made of merino wool. 
Well, they're quick drying then, they're, so that's good. Yeah, and, and they're going to be sprinkled with blood in the next chapter of Revelation. Yeah, yeah, and and so we, you want the quick dry. Yeah, you want you the want quick it to dry. Wick. And, and it's wick both, the blood away. It's both good for hot weather and cold weather. <laughs> that's good. That's the nice part about that wool. That's nice. But but I think that it's funny that we have all these sheep and they're all clothed in white robes. Yeah. And where where does that come from? It's actually the, the like the beautiful gift of the church, the glory of God, the that continually grows and is poured out from mm. His people, is actually what we're clothed in. We're clothed uh, in the wool of the lamb. We're clothed in the wool of the glory that has been poured out within the hmm. church. I mean, that's a really kind of a weird image. It but is. Well, so are the rest of them. So the, there's cool. a lo- there's lots of images, but there's lots of sheep images and and shepherding and like yeah. How do we actually go about? And then the the main the the key sheep standing slain. Yeah. Um. So that we can yeah. see that we're like like we actually are clothed in glory. That's the right. craziest part about this. Which again, I guess keep thinking not to write in or read in too much, but I keep thinking that's part of what the people in Pisidian Antioch are hearing. And again, they don't even see Paul. Remember, everybody who shows up to hear Paul, they didn't see him. They heard about him. They heard Mm. the word of God was being preached by some guy we've never heard of. Right. Because they're not Jews. They don't care that he was the student of Gamaliel. I mean, they don't care that he's some really important rabbi. They're just people living their lives. But they heard through Paul's voice, the voice of the good shepherd. Right. And they came. Because they the, recognize, maybe I do have more dignity. And then the father took them into his hand. Yes. And the bad shepherds showed up and tried to drive them away and take them out of his hand. Right? And, and it ain't going to happen. And it ain't going to happen. All of these readings in a very real way are these direct commentary unpacking the first reading. Here's what it looks like. And then mm. here's all the theology that explains what happened there that day, mm. which I find really beautiful. Me too. And the last piece, and I don't know if this has anything to do with anything. Okay. The gospel, and I made, I have all these really like three times underlined notes in all of my notes about this, and I don't remember why. But what Jesus says, the sheep hear my voice in, in the Gospel of John, he says that on the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah. And I don't know what mileage there is on the fact that he says those words the day of Hanukkah. And maybe part of it, I'm trying to think, well, what's Hanukkah? Hanukkah is that celebration of when, from the time of the Maccabees, when um, even though the, the Greek armies tried to cut them off and make it illegal to be Jewish and practice their faith and tried to rip it out of their hands and rip them out of the hands of the father, you know, they fought back and they stood up and the candles in the, in the temple, you know, stayed lit. The oil lasted for eight days, which is where we get the eight days of Hanukkah. All these things of this celebration over someone tried to steal us out of the hand of God and we would not let them. But now... Those outsiders that we hated so much, that were so feared, they're actually the sheep of God as well. And they're meant to be drawn in. I mean, they're meant to come back. They're like those people up in Galatia that have these Greek roots and heritage that remind us of those people that we fought against. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they could be sheep as well. We never considered that. I don't know. I don't know if there's any mileage on the Hanukkah thing or not. Yeah, gosh, it it, it reminds me of Rage Against the Machine. (laughs) Me too. With that song, Know Your Enemy. Our enemy is not the people around us. Our our enemy, it's never the case that that, it's the the enemy is the evil one who's trying to snatch out of the hand of God those who have heard his voice. Right. Those who have have received the word delightfully and have put on the garment of the lamb, who've actually been clothed in him and sprinkled with his blood and transformed. Like that's the evil one. And that's like, and and yet even if the evil one uses people, that the people who are used by the evil one are not the enemy still. Right. 
it's still yes. that because yes. because right. it's still the joy to say no we're going to bring in the bad shepherds come on bad shepherds good man we're stuck with all of it right we're and stuck the, with them yeah and and like they're they're you're mm. a, you're, you got to be mm. a part of us so hear the word of the mm. lord be transformed by it yeah Transformed by it. <laughs> I know that was very I, <laughs> televangelist. I don't style. even. I don't even know what that was, man. Yeah, I, I just. It. I like. Woo-hoo. Yeah, that's all I got, man. Me too. I'm gonna go buy a merino wool shirt for some travels, <laughs> and um, and uh, just as a re- reminder to be clothed in the make sure lambs. it's a white one. I know, or a red one, because blood. Blood. Weird. You're calling. Okay, I'm gonna have to look for a white one. Yeah, I, I have a that. I have a couple black ones, and I really like those. But the, the company that made clerical. them went out of the things, and then I have to get a white one now. Ibex. Yep. They went out of business. Yeah, man. Doggone it. Well, on that happy note. Hey, you guys, we love you. Happy Easter. Um, happy Easter. And um, you can carry your palm branches from Palm Sunday all around and imitate <laughs> yeah, you the can. Lord. It, you might look weird, but we believe in looking weird sometimes. Hold them in your mouth like a sheep would. <laughs> all right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org A-I-C-T. You can find the Lanky Guys at lankyguys.org, and you can send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.